came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, things haven't changed too much, have they, in 2,000 years. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, what's something interesting about Bethlehem where Jesus Christ was born is Bethlehem means in the Hebrew house of bread. And Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. Verse 5, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So we're going to start out with the manger. And I, everybody's seen a nativity scene before, but I'm going to put one up right here for you as I'm preaching this. First thing we'll look at, every nativity scene has a manger. And it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Laid him in a manger. Our Lord and Savior could have been born, because it's God manifesting the flesh, he could have been born in a palace. Amen. They could have put him in a palace, could have put him in a mansion, could have put him, he could have been born on a pile of gold pieces. Our Lord and Savior could have picked anywhere to be born, but the Lord picked to be born right here in a manger. That should speak to your heart. That should speak to your heart. Let me uh, me read this to you, a poem. It's called The Unknown Workman. He was a humble workman with the tools with which he wrought, and he built a common stable, or so it was, he thought. And he fashioned there a manger where the cattle could be fed, never thinking that the Savior would pillar there his head. He had only built a stable with a manger in the stall, yet it cradled there the Christ child who is king and Lord of all. So although our task be humble, let us work each day with care, for we may not know God's purpose or why he placed us there. For the manger that formed the cradle of our Lord and Savior here was built by a humble workman in the town of Bethlehem of Judea. This little manger was built by somebody never knowing how the Lord was going to use it. I know there's lots of people drive by this church and they see this church and uh, we're trying to get it painted and it looks a lot better than when we first started. Amen, Brother Gary. But, you know, there's still some painting needs to be done and everything. And I know sometimes maybe some people drive by and think there's nothing going on there. And we're just doing a little bit of a work right here. But the Lord will use it. Amen. Amen. The Lord can use it. And you never know that little bit of thing that you're doing day by day, that one little nail you're putting in somewhere, that one little thing you're doing day by day, how God might use that to get the glory someday. You never know. They had a little meeting at this little country town and they were going to have a revival and they, they were praying over, and these farmers got together and they prayed and they prayed about this meeting and they prayed for like two days about this revival meeting. And they had this, they had this revival and nobody thought nothing of it. But you know who got saved at that revival? Billy Graham. Little farm country community, little revival, Billy Graham. Went on to do all the wonderful things and all those people were saved under Billy Graham's ministry because some farmer somewhere in some country town decided, let's just get together and pray about this, see what happens. And God used it. That's what that manger should speak to you. The manger should speak to how God uses little things. God uses little things. Remember when Samson killed all those Philistines? You remember what he used? He used the jawbone of an ass. Just reach down there, he killed a thousand Philistines. God uses little things, little things, to do great things. Verse 8. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the next one I'm going to put up here is the shepherd. I'm going to put this shepherd, and he represents me because one thing, he's bald. (laughs) 
But the real reason the shepherd represents me and he should represent you is these shepherds are keeping watch over the flock by night. They're the working man. And they're working the night shift. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord, Lord shone around about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Hey, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This is revealed to those shepherds that are working the night shift at night. That's me and you. He could have came and he could have sent, he could, they could have sent the angels to the king. He doesn't. He could have sent the angel to the rich people, but they don't. God sends the angels to the poor working man working the night shift. Amen. That's for me. That's for me that's working the night shift. The me that puts in all those hard hours. God loves me. God cares for you that puts in those long hours. Be it man or woman. He put, you know what? The angel sent to you, woman, that he work, you work all day, and you got to come home and fix that meal. That's who Jesus Christ is for. That's who God's watching out for. He's watching out for me. He's watching out for you. He came to the working man. And that's what I love about the Lord. The Lord loves the working man. Amen. And it seems like the working man can't get ahead, can he? You ever notice what they're doing to us now? Gas prices are finally starting to fall, praise the Lord. Amen. I don't care if you amen me or not. I'm going to say amen three times. Amen, amen, amen. Price gases have started falling at the pump. I bought gas for $1.99. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No, seriously. Money's going back into my pocket. And in the Brownwood Bulletin and all these other papers, they keep trying to tell us how that's a bad thing. Oh, it's a horrible thing that gas prices are falling. It's, oh no, it's horrible for the rich people, but not for me. They are never going to convince me that gas prices falling is a horrible thing, only for the rich people. But for the working man, that's a good thing, amen. And that's who God watches out for, the working man. And that's the shepherd sitting in the field. And it says, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. This isn't just a baby being born. This just isn't the king of Israel. This is the savior of the whole world that's being born. This is why we're in here in Indian Gap, Texas. A bunch of y'all heathen Gentiles. Some of y'all are like me. You're a mutt. You're half German, half Scot, half Indian. You don't have full blood in you. But Jesus Christ was born for you. Not just Israel, but for the whole world. You read that with me. He says, I bring you good tidings, verse 10, of great joy, which shall be to all people. Jesus Christ isn't just for the Jew. He's for the black man. He's for the Spanish man. He's for the Oriental. He's for everybody who wants to come to him. Jesus Christ is a great joy to all people. Praise the Lord. And we're talking great joy. How can you sing? And I'm, I'm going to pick on some Church of Christ a little bit. How can you be a church of Christ believing that you can fall from grace and then get up there and sing about amazing grace? Don't you feel like a little bit of a hypocrite? See, I sing about amazing grace because it's amazing that he can keep me from falling. It's amazing grace. Amen. And it's not it wouldn't be great joy if I knew I could walk out the doors and go to hell. It's great joy because I know I'm not going to hell. But that's what brings me great joy. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Have we had peace since Jesus Christ's time? Not one day of it. Come on, guys. Not one day of peace, have we? The only time that peace is going to happen is when the peace, the Prince of Peace, comes back. Amen. 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 That's what we're waiting for. He must come back. 
He's the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Peace. He's the one that's going to bring peace. When he's here, peace. When he's not here, no peace. That's what that is. That's a prophecy right there. And it came to pass, verse 15, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Notice how it says they came with haste. When you first find out about Jesus Christ, you need to come with haste and come to Jesus Christ. Amen. And some of y'all, maybe y'all sit in church and you've heard Jesus Christ all your life, but you've never heard Jesus Christ before. Maybe you, you know of the story of Jesus. You're like the devils that tremble with fear. They know about Jesus Christ, but they have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's just a man that maybe they've heard about. Jesus Christ is the king of your life. Jesus Christ should be the Lord of your life. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He should be your Savior. But he's got, you've got to take him. You can't just say, he is a Savior. You've got to say, he's my Savior. And I've came to him, and I want him to save me. And that's a testimony you should be able to give. Not that he's just, he's a king or he's a babe lying in a manger. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he's the king over my heart. He rules my life, and I gladly take that. I got, gladly accept him running my life. Because I found out before I got saved, King and Hall can't run his life. I run my life into the ground. But when Jesus Christ is running my life, man, everything goes so much better. Great joy. Happiness. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. So let's put old Mary and Joseph up there. Here's Mary. We'll put Mary right up in here. And here's Joseph. Joseph is a, is a Catholic Joseph. He's got his little halo right there. And I found that interesting because they put the little halo there, which is nonsense. Joseph is not a saint. Joseph is a sinner just like me and you. But I found out that this thing was right here. I got to take my glasses. It's made in Italy. So that explains why he's got a little... Get a little Catholic uh, slant to him. But see, y'all ignore the halo. Jo Joseph is a sinner. Mary's a sinner. And he's a sinner. Yeah. Everybody got that? All right, amen. I mean, I got to make sure we know who the sinners are. And you can point at me, I'm a sinner. Amen. And Brother Raymond's a sinner. And Ronnie's a sinner. And everybody I'm pointing at is a sinner. You all need a Savior. There's none righteous. It's, the Bible says all your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. You think you're good? You're no good. Not in God's sight. You might be good compared to your neighbor. You might say your neighbor, say, look at him or your friend. Look, at the, look how bad they are. But God's not going to judge you by your friend. God's going to judge you by Jesus Christ. Amen. You're going to stand up next to Jesus Christ. You're going to judge his righteousness. It don't work. Turn to Matthew. Please turn to Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at the story a little further. Let's finish off this nativity scene. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem. And this is the question they have, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And the old saying goes, and it's still true today, wise men still seek him. Wise men are still seeking for Jesus Christ. And if you're wise, you're seeking for Jesus Christ. And the question might be in verse 2, what their question is, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? So let me ask you a question this morning. Where is Jesus Christ? This morning, this very morning, where is Jesus Christ? Well, I can tell you where he's not. He's not in a manger. He's not in a tomb. <laughs> he's on the right hand of the Father. Amen. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is in my heart. He's in every action that a Christian does. Jesus Christ is there. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is in here this morning. 
And you say, where's he at, Brother Keegan? He's standing right behind you? No, he's standing behind me. I'll tell you where Jesus Christ is at. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he's standing right behind you. See, this book ain't about the 99 sheep that are found. This book is about the one that's lost. And if you're in here this morning, he don't care about me. He's already found me. I'm part of the fold. He, will, he loves you. You're lost. He's looking for you. He's behind you. He's got his hands on your shoulder. He's speaking to your heart this morning. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. These guys are probably reading, if you studied out, they're probably reading Numbers 24. Where it talks about a star coming up and Daniel chapter 9. They're probably putting those two things together and they're seeing that star and they're looking for prophecy. These wise men are wise because they know the Bible. They know the word of God and they're applying the word of God. They're very wise that way. Verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What makes people troubled to hear about Jesus Christ? You ever ask yourself that question? Why are so many people troubled by Jesus Christ? I heard this lady and she was on there and they had this big article. The Gideons were out handing out some Bibles. I think it was in California somewhere. And she's, she's ran them off of the school and she said how troubled she was that they would be. That she was troubled they were in the classroom handing these Bibles to her daughter. It troubled her. The, this article talked about how troubled she was by that. And I thought to myself, why are you so troubled? What did Jesus Christ do to trouble you? All he talked about was love. He talked to love your enemies. All he talked about was peace. He talked about forgiveness. What did Jesus Christ do that troubles you so much? Have you ever wondered that? What did Jesus Christ do that troubles these people so much that they're so scared of Jesus Christ? I don't want his name mentioned. Oh, why? What's he doing? What did he do to trouble you? He didn't do nothing. He's not a murderer. He's not a thief. He's not a rapper. He's not a musician. He's not an actor. We can name all of those in school. Amen. Amen. Y'all, they probably talk about Beyonce every day. What's a Paris Clinton Clinton or whatever her name is? What's her name? Hilton. Uh, Paris Hilton or whatever. They name all these idiots. They talk about all these morons and idiots. And you mention Jesus Christ. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to mention his name. Why? What did he do to you? What did he do wrong? Jesus Christ said, which one of you, this is Jesus Christ speaking, he said, which one of you convinces me of sin? That's a question I have for them. Show me what Jesus Christ did wrong. There's nothing he did wrong. He was so good, they killed him. Just like they want to do. And why are you scared of a little piece of paper? Why are you scared of a little book? I thought we believed in free speech in America. When I hand out this little piece of book with writing that's archaic, nobody reads it. Why are you so scared of your little daughter getting a hold of it? This is a piece of paper. It don't even have pictures in it. What are you scared of? Take you to Bangs School District. I can take you in there. I can show you a book on the shelf that's got four or five cuss words that I can't even repeat from up here. Nasty. In the library. In the library. And it's in every one of y'all school libraries too, I guarantee you. Go looking. I guarantee you. And they're scared of this little book right here? Why? Why Why are people so troubled by Jesus Christ? I'll never get that. I'll never get it. They're scared of him because he's the truth. People don't like the truth. You know what I found out now that I'm 40-something years old? People hate the truth. People hate for you to tell them that your clothes look stupid. They hate for you to tell tell you any kind of truth. Nobody wants to hear the truth, amen? One of my favorite commercials, I think it's Geico, where uh, Abraham Lincoln's wife is there, Mary, whatever. She says, does this, does, this, does this dress make my butt look big? Or whatever she says, you know. And Abraham Lincoln says, hmm, 
like that. And she gets mad or whatever and walks out. You know, oh, honest Abe, you know. The point is, nobody wants to hear the truth, amen. Jesus Christ is nothing but the truth. And man, I tell you, truth like that, when truth is like that, it just gets right in your face. You can't get away from it. And people hate that. They hate that. But see, when you, when you love Jesus Christ, you love the truth. It makes you happy. Because see, this same message that troubled Herod bring joy to the three wise men. I can preach things up here, guys. I can preach things about Jesus Christ. And I can see it on some of y'all's faces. Some of the things I preach about Jesus Christ, y'all get a smile and y'all say amen. And there's things I can say the same things about Jesus Christ. And it troubles some of y'all. And it can bother some people. And some people say, I don't want to hear that. Remember when we were Christmas Carol and that man said, I don't want to hear those songs. I don't want to hear those songs. Remember? And he got in a wheelchair and, he, and we carried him out into the other room and he's sitting there and he's just crying and weeping. He goes, I don't want to hear those songs. I don't want to hear those songs. Make him stop. Crying, tears, just in agony. And I go back in there and there's women in there going like this with joy, weeping. Y'all seen them? It's the same song. What's the difference? It's the heart. It's the heart. He's troubled. Verse 4. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So these religious people, they know the Bible. That they're just not applying the Bible. They know he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but they're not applying it. But the three wise men, they don't, they not only know the Bible, they're willing to apply the Bible. So that's where you there's people like that, guys. There's people like that that know a lot of Bible, but they're just as spiritual stupid as a rock. Amen. Amen. You get a hold of a Jehovah's Witness, and they'll turn you to this scripture and turn you to that scripture, and they're as spiritual as a rock. And they know a lot of scripture. They know a lot of scripture, but they don't know how to apply it. You gotta know how to apply it. How do you know how to apply it, Brother Keegan? The Holy Spirit that lives in you. The Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not going to understand any of this stuff. You can memorize the Bible and say all this. You've read it and everything. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you with it, you'll be, you'll be blinded to it. You know how many times I've read this Bible? We're saved now. Saved. How many times I've read this Bible over and over and over again? Same scripture. And then read it again and find something new. Now, did somebody come in there and write that in? <laughs> what happened? The Holy Spirit finally revealed it to me. I'm not dumb. I know it's not me. The Holy Spirit finally said, look. And I'm like, oh, look, that's in there. Who, who put that in there? I didn't know that was in there. I'll read a book about the Bible. And they'll say, in Revelation, it says this. And I'll say, no, it don't. Honestly, I'll do that. I'll be in bed, laying in bed, reading, my, reading this book on the Bible. And it'll say, in Revelation chapter 11, it says this. I'll say, in my mind, I'll say, no, it don't. I talked through Revelation four times. I taught Revelation four times. It doesn't say that. I get up, middle of the night, I get my Bible out, and I look. It does say that. <laughs> Who put that in there? And I feel so stupid. My wife doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> this is me. Now y'all know it all. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit works. All right. Let's, let's move right along. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Liar. He's a liar. He doesn't want to worship Jesus Christ. He wants to kill Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to worship him. A lot of people are just like Herod today. They use Jesus Christ for their own purposes. They use the church for their own purposes. I've heard a man say, 
And he said, I go to church because it's good business. He's a used car salesman. Does that surprise you? I go to church because it's good business. I don't go to, he didn't say he goes to church to worship Jesus Christ. He goes to church because it's good business. People just like Herod today, they use Jesus Christ. Jesus troubles them just like it troubles Herod. They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. They want to kill him just like Herod's going to do in verse 16 he's going to try to do. And they pretend to want to worship him. That's the worst kind. That's the very worst kind is those that pretend they're worshiping Jesus Christ and they don't know him. Getting quiet in here. They live like the devil. They need to talk to them about the Lord. And it's like, oh, you hear them talk about Jesus Christ? It's like they're talking about a totally different person. So I don't even know who you're talking about. It's like the Jehovah's or the Mormons knocking on your door. You talk to them about the Lord. They're talking about a different Jesus, guys. It's not the same Jesus. It don't take long to figure all that out. Verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So let's, let's, bring, out the, let's bring out the wise men. I've got different wise men set up here. These wise men, notice, you notice where it says that there's three wise men right there? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say there's three wise men. That was a trick question. The Bible never says it was three wise men. So why do we put three wise men on the nativity scene? Because there's three gifts. They're bringing three gifts. So it could have been two wise men. It could have been 18 wise men. We don't know. Read your Bible. It'll straighten a lot of this stuff out. I was reading the story. <laughs> this guy had put this nativity scene out and he put fire helmets on each one of these three, Al. He put fire helmets on each one of these three. And the guy kept riding by that nativity scene, seeing those fire helmets, said, well, the pastor must be a fireman or something. And the guy couldn't help his curiosity. He saw the janitor out there, and he stopped, and he talked to the janitor in front of the nativity scene. He says, let me ask you a question. Why did you put fire helmets on the, on the wise men? And the, and the janitor said, well, our preacher says that they come from a fire. <laughs> that comes from not reading your Bible. They come from fire. That's a Texas thing. That's, a, that's another Texas thing right there. <laughs> So we got three wise men. We're going to put these three wise men there. Now look at verse, verse 11. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Notice it's a house. It's a young child. So if you put scripture to scripture, this nativity scene, the way we set it up is not necessarily untrue, but it's not accurate. And what I mean by that is at this time, it's not a baby Jesus. It's a young child. It's not a manger. It's a house. You reading the same scripture I'm reading? So this nativity scene, even though it serves a great purpose, is not exactly accurate. As we know, it took place. These wise men came later. The shepherd's already gone. They went back. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus Christ, not Mary. Amen, okay, y'all got to go out, grab a hold of that. Why would they worship Jesus Christ? Because he's a sinner, and she's a sinner, and Joseph's a sinner, and Jesus Christ is not a sinner. Amen. He's a holy thing from God, as the Bible says. He is God manifest in the flesh. And they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. They're going to present Jesus Christ with these three gifts, Frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's start at the bottom. The bottom one is myrrh, right? Myrrh is an embalming type of uh, fluid. What that means is that Jesus Christ is a suffering prophet that's going to die. 
Jesus Christ, this, this gift is a gift for a prophet. This gift is a gift for a prophet, a suffering prophet that's going to die. That's what this gift of myrrh is. The gift of frankincense. Frankincense is used by a priest. A priest would take frankincense into the temple. And it, was a, uh, it was used by the priest for the, for the altar, the incense altar. So this gift of frankincense is a gift for a priest. So you got a gift for a prophet. you got a gift for a priest. And then you got gold. And we know what that is. That's a gift for a king. Your Lord and Savior is a prophet, is a priest, and is a king. Listen to me. Jesus Christ was a suffering prophet that died for your sins. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ today on the right hand of the Father is a priest, your high priest, for your sins that you're committing while you're down here. But soon and very soon, Jesus Christ is going to be a king. Amen. Amen. He won't be a prophet. He won't be a priest. He'll be a king. You got a king that's a prophet, a priest, and a king. You got all three in one. You got it all, guys. And that's what those gifts are for. Those gifts are representing everything you need to know about Christ this morning are in those three gifts. They presented unto them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So at this time, it's a good time to bring out Jesus Christ, the baby Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And the interesting thing about people, when it comes to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm going to go ahead and put these animals up here. The interesting thing about Jesus Christ being in the manger is the world wants to keep Jesus Christ right there. Oh, they love Christmas time because it's baby Jesus and the baby doesn't talk to you. The baby doesn't tell you what to do. And the baby can't get up and do anything. And you can control the baby. But see, I'm not in here, and I don't come up here on Sundays to preach about a baby Jesus. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ was born. But I come in here, and I preach about a full-grown Jesus. The one the world doesn't like. The one the world doesn't want to talk about. We're talking about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that died for your sins. That's the Jesus that I want to preach to you about. And in closing, it's a wonderful thing that God, and it's, the Bible calls it the mystery of godliness, that God was willing to put himself in the flesh. That that's literally God being born into a baby, being born of a virgin so he doesn't carry that sinful blood, that he can die on the cross and shed his blood. Amen. Some of y'all might be in here and you might be saying, well, Brother Keegan, where's the Christmas tree? Well, let me tell you something. God only decorated one tree, and it was on the hill of Calvary. And the gift he put under that tree was the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what Christmas is about. Amen. Christmas is not about Christmas, Christmas trees. Christmas is not about Santa. Christmas is not about all these other traditions we do. Christmas is about Jesus Christ Amen. coming into the world, not as a king, not only as a prophet, not only as a priest, but Jesus Christ coming into this world to be born as a savior of the world. Amen. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you come to the only tree God decorated and come and get that precious gift that's offered for you, the precious blood of Jesus Christ to cover your sin? Have you come? Have you come? It's a gift. It's a free gift, Romans chapter 5. But what is it about a gift? You've got to take a gift. You, a gift can be given to you, but you don't have to receive it. I know a man I just heard about yesterday that was given a couple of hundred dollars or maybe even more than that. I'm not sure about the amount. I know it was a lot of money. And somebody gave it to him He went in a Christmas card. And he went back to that guy's house and he knocked on the door and he said, Dad, I don't want this money. And he gave the money back to him. You can keep it. And broke his dad's heart. Broke the dad's heart. Tried to give us some money. Son, as long as I don't want to have anything to do with it. Guys, God can give you gift after gift. But if you don't receive it, 
You can be like the man in the wheelchair at the nursing home. I don't want to hear it. And roll yourself out and cast your own self away. While I'm following him, said, let me tell you about Jesus. I don't want to hear it. Let me tell you about Jesus. I don't want to hear it. And I have to walk away, and I'll never forget it. If I live to be 100 years old, sitting in that nurse home, us singing those songs and looking through those doors, and there he is, and he has his back to me, and he's in that wheelchair, and I know he's crying. And the Lord's speaking to my heart, saying, he's cast away. He's cast away. Don't be a castaway. There's a free gift waiting under the tree. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I took it. It brought me great joy. And I can say, Jesus is my Savior. I'll wait for the King Jesus to come back and get me. See, because King Jesus tells you how it goes. King Jesus is going to rule your life. King Jesus is going to rule the world. He's not like the baby. They can't do nothing. That's why the world's okay with you having that one out. They don't want the King Jesus on the stallion. King of kings and Lord of lords, Revelation 19, they don't like that Jesus. But that's the Jesus that I fell in love with. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for King Jesus. Thank you for being born of a virgin, Lord God. Thank you for this wonderful story of the nativity, Lord God. And every time we see this, Lord God, I ask you to speak to our heart and tell us how wonderful it is that you are willing. It was your will, Lord God, to come down and put yourself in the man that you might walk among us, Lord God, and teach us. But the most important thing, Lord God, is to die for us. And we thank you for that. Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask you to speak to their heart right now. Through the Holy Spirit, as we sing this invitation, they'll come down here and get saved. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. You know, the angel said in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. If God sent us the gift of Jesus as a Savior, does that not mean that He knows we need a Savior? That you need a Savior? Hey, this Christmas season, why don't you receive the gift of Jesus Christ as your Savior and let Jesus change your life forever? We'd love to hear from you. Contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com, IndianGapBaptist.com. And remember, God only decorated one tree, and the gift He put under that tree was the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you received that gift? I pray you have. And until next time. Cast in all your care upon him.